Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Welcome to this podcast. Today, we will discuss techniques to develop a successful content marketing strategy. And I have with me Ahava Leaptag, an expert content strategist and president of AHA Media Group. She's a true content ninja who will help you elevate your content game. So listen on as she reveals the content tools in her armoire and discusses the importance of having an effective content marketing strategy and ways to develop it. Listen till the end to find out tips to leverage content to grow your brand. All right, you guys, we're here with Ahava Leaptag, and we're going to be talking about content marketing. We're going to talk about building your brand from scratch with an effective content marketing strategy. But I think before we jump into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, I have to tell you, I'm a, a little bit of a fan of your Instagram in regards to what you got going on there, your, the things you do on Wednesdays, and you got the kids. I saw that today that you were shooting the kids with, with fake guns, I might add. There was no real guns that were involved. But I did like to see that you were a little ruthless, probably when it comes to writing content for your clients, but also when it comes to your kids. Tell me a little bit about your Instagram and kind of some of the fun things you got going on there. So every Wednesday, I release something called Writing Wednesday. I just kind of started doing it as like a way to answer some questions that I kept seeing coming up and sort of as just something fun to experiment with video. Andrew Davis, who's a good friend of mine, is always talking about video. And I thought like, oh, I'll try this. And the funniest part to me is that it seems that the thing people react to the most is my red lipstick and my red glasses, which is kind of a comment on society in general. Right? This is the whole point of it. <laughs> no, but a lot of people really have given me some great feedback and are super excited about the things that they learn. And it, it's 60 seconds. So, you know, if you can't pay attention for 60 seconds and, you know, then probably don't really want to learn to be a better writer. And then the other thing is, is that in November, we're releasing a November writing challenge where we're going to give people a calendar and every day we're going to challenge them to write for about five minutes. So I'm excited about that too. And I'll probably do a couple of lives. You know, you get to watch me knocking my teeth against the keyboard also. So that's really fun. And then the Instagram account is my personal account and my team is not so happy about that. They want me to transfer writing Wednesdays over to the AHA Media Group account, but I have sort of mixed feelings about that. So you'll see my kids and things that I cook and all kinds of different things. And I think, you know, I'm a pretty open person and I invite people into my life up until a certain point. And you know, that's just who I am. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. I think, you know, sometimes I know we're, especially with social media, it's awesome to be able to bring people into your life. And I think you kind of touched on a little bit where you're like, to most things, right? Most things that are going on, you know, you don't necessarily want to bring, tell everybody everything about everything. But I, I do think it is kind of nice when people kind of get a peek into your life and things you got going on. And and once again, I did like that video with you and your the, the little one and, and revenge. And then that probably felt pretty good at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I think also, you know, I feel a pretty big responsibility towards working women and the attitude of working women and having kids and being successful and building things. I think it's important, you know, people can look at somebody like um, Sarah Blakely who built Spanx. You know, most people aren't going to be Sarah Blakely who built Spanx, but you know, I run a nice business and I have a reputation as a thought leader, which is really a very privileged position. And I think it's good for people to know that you can do those things and still raise a happy, healthy family and allow them to hit each other with Nerf balls while they're jumping on a trampoline. (laughs) I mean, I would highly recommend Maybe they should wear a helmet or something because it did look a little bit dangerous for me. I probably would have something bad would have happened when it comes to trampolines and Shane don't seem to mix too well, but that's a whole nother, that's probably a whole nother podcast. There's a lot of controversy about trampolines. There is, there is, I can imagine. It's, it's, it's a hot topic these days. So, 
tell me a little bit. You were just at what CM World? You were down there, and you you were talking about. It. I thought it was really interesting. One of the topics you are you were speaking on was the seven writing secrets of hit making songwriters. Like I was the title of that. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. I don't claim to be a songwriter because I would be terrible, and singing would definitely. I probably wouldn't make it too far. But I would definitely. That was a session that intrigued me. Tell me a little bit more about that. So that session was really successful. I mean, I got the best reviews I've ever gotten in my career. I mean, there was not one negative comment. There was one negative comment where she's like, some of the clip music clips were too long, which I kind of didn't feel was, was really negative at all. I think what I was trying to do was I was trying to say that writers, even business writers can learn from all kinds of writers and songwriters have mastered two really important things that business writers should master as well, which is learning to tell a story, building images and pictures, and learning to follow the melody of language. And so a lot of the things that I talked about were about how we need to follow some of the things that musicians do in our own writing, and that's how we can become better writers. Well, that was awesome, because it's funny, when reading that title, it didn't, like I said, it kind of intrigued me a little bit. Like, I was like, okay, so what do we got going here? Because I can't imagine there being, you know, a thousand songwriters that are like, finally, there was a session I was looking for, right? I mean, I can see like maybe like a music conference or something, um, but I do like that. So it tied into how you can apply just writing in general to business and to everything like that, right? Kind of how it all ties in together. Yeah, I'll give just two examples that I think are valuable examples. So we started off the session, I made everybody stand up and sing Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And that song is a really great example of the storytelling formula, which is exposition, conflict, resolution. And so we went through it and looked at those different parts. And then I explained how as writers, we really should be trying to mix each of those three elements into the three-part story that we're taught how to write. And so then we looked at Billie Jean from Michael Jackson and saw how he interweaves that conflict and resolution together. Another thing that I talk about is that I think we're too siloed when we think about writing and editing. It's very often that there's the writer and then the writer passes the copy on to the editor. And there's sort of maybe a turf war around that. And I think we should strive to be more collaborative in our environments. So I talked about this story about how Glenn Fry lived above Jackson Brown and Jackson Brown was composing Take It Easy and Glenn Fry came downstairs and said, you really have something there. That's a great song. And then Jackson Brown just couldn't finish it. He couldn't figure out how to go. He, he had the, the first verse and he had the chorus and he just couldn't get into the second verse and Glenn Fry ended up finishing it for him. And so I talked about, you know, imagine if those two men hadn't lived in the same apartment building and if Jackson Brown hadn't let Glenn Fry finish that song. I mean, that was a huge, the first big hit the Eagles had. And so that's sort of where I think we need to move towards a pair writing paradigm, which is very popular in user experience design, where everybody gets in a room, sort of figures out what those labels should say together. So those are just some two examples of where I kind of try to pull together these things that you see them do in the music industry that I think we can learn from, from in the business writing industry. That's funny. I never knew about that, about the Eagles song. It's kind of interesting how it's like just something, somebody listening to something, not on purpose, or maybe maybe on purpose, but like hearing something and saying, hey, listen, like, let me help you collaborate on that a little bit and being open to that, right? I think that's the hard part is that, you know, as creators, you go, oh, no, I think I've got it or something. But there's so much more value, man, I've seen over the years in collaboration, right? And working together. There's like, you know, it's like you see that. And you, I, you know, I remember back in the day when I started my blog, and this was, I don't know how many years ago now, this is seven or eight years ago, when I would write about just everything that I was doing, the good, the bad, and the ugly, like how we're doing stuff for clients stuff. I remember other marketers would come to me, like, are you like giving up like a lot of diff- good information? Like, why are you doing that? 
And for me, it was more of like, you know, for me, it's like, oh, because I was looking for people to collaborate with. I mean, I was putting out this information to people go, hey, I really like the way that you do things. Maybe we should work on something together or, you know, also to work on, you know, for clients too. Hey, if you can read my blog post and you get enough information, you got enough information to go be dangerous and do this and hey, go do it. But if you need some help, here we are. But it, it really helped me, I think, in the thought leadership space of where people seen, obviously, you know, writing and you're putting yourself out there. I mean, that's, you know, I talk about UCLA. The reason I got the job at UCLA was not because I applied for a job, but it was because of my content, because what I was putting out there. And they were looking for a practitioner and said, hey, we read your stuff. We really think that you would be a good fit here. So, you know, and that, that collaboration would not have happened if I wasn't writing this content or I wasn't out there talking about things that were going on. So I think collaboration is, is I think some people are nervous about it. To me, I can't get enough of it. Like, this is why I have these types of conversations, right? Because to me, it's all about collaboration. I think it's a barely underused. Yeah, I mean, I think also writing is considered a lonely art, but we're not writers like novelists, you know, we're or writing nonfiction books. I mean, we're writers who are writing for a very specific purpose. And so getting together in a room of our colleagues, that's the way it's done in almost every industry. Engineers collaborate with each other and lawyers collaborate with each other and doctors certainly collaborate with each other. So why shouldn't writers? Yeah, I do agree. It has been kind of an isolated, and usually isolation is like, hey, you go up in your private cabin and you know, nothing's out there. It's just you and the wild animals and you write your book, you know, and it's like, you know, part of me, that sounds really awesome. Another part of me sounds, damn, that sounds really lonely. Like I just, you know, it's like, I'm, I mean, it's, I like, I enjoy that, that, like I said, working with people and, and having that, that energy. I play off that energy very well. I think being by myself, I don't know. I'd probably like watch sad movies and cry a lot or something. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know if that's for me. I'm a, a writer, but not a writer in the sense of what you're a writer. I mean, you guys right. are I don't know. Everybody's a writer. As Anne Handley says, everybody writes. <laughs> I write in crayon. It's a little bit of a different deal, but yeah. It's, um, yeah. Well, cool. So tell me a little bit about like, how did you jump into like content marketing? And obviously I've seen your guys' sites because you have an awesome site, the color, I know the colors you guys use and all that kind of stuff. Thank but, you. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, but like, how did you get into like content marketing? Like, when did you think, okay, hey, I'm going to come from, like, where did you come from? And then, and then realize that, hey, I want to be a content marketer. So... What happened to me was that I was writing for the government and I had a boss who sent me to learn how to write with a woman named Ginny Reddish, who's considered like, you know, the godmother of uh, web writing and user experience in terms of web writing. And I was really hooked after I took that class and I really wanted to learn as much as possible. Then I moved on to become a freelance writer for hospitals and healthcare systems. And I started Twitter was like this new thing and I got on it and all of a sudden I found all these people who were doing the same thing I was doing and I remember when Christina Halverson talked about how her book had come in the mail I ordered it immediately on Amazon and when I read it I was like oh this is what I do like I thought what I did talk about lonely like I thought I was the only person who was having these problems and yet every single thing that she talked about in the book was something that I was having an issue with in my career as a freelance writer and it's trying to start a business and in trying to get more clients. So I reached out to her and we developed a friendship. And then at the same time, I saw Joe Polizzi writing about stuff. And I think he invited me to come speak at the first content marketing world. And I've spoken there every year since, which has been a real privilege. And I think for me, it, it appealed to me, the idea of building relationships with people through content. I think that we really help people make very important decisions. Most of us with what we're doing, particularly if we're in heavy jargon fields like healthcare, insurance, financial services, which is what we mainly do at AHA Media Group. And so I, I just like the idea of sort of building those relationships with people and trying to sort of say to them, we're here to help you when you actually really need the help. Yeah, that's interesting. So you guys mainly work in, uh, is in like a government contracts type deal? Is that what you guys do a lot of or what? That kind yeah, of but that might be next. So if there's any government contractors listening who are looking for a, a writing partner, yeah. let us know. 
what we what we mostly do is we help those three industries and companies in those three industries write content to explain to their customers what services they provide and what products they have for them so that they can understand decisions to make. So for example, when you know Medicare open enrollment starts, you have to educate people about what does that mean and how do they sign up and when do they turn 65 and then they're responsible to do so and there's a three month window before and a three month window after. And so that kind of thing is the kind of thing that we write about. You know, you're looking for uh, cancer care for your, one of your parents and you're trying to figure out where the best place to take them locally is, should you go nationally, how complicated is the case in financial services, you know, we do blogs about, you know, saving money for this and figuring out how to prepare better for your financial future. So things that people really need help understanding. And one of the things that we know about when people are reading things that are hard to understand at first, they leave their frontal cortex, which is where we make executive decisions, and they go into their amygdala, which is like a fight or flight reaction. So one of the things that we talk about that's really important for writers is that they have a ton of empathy for their audience and they understand how to use plain language. And I think plain language gets a really bad rap because people think it's dumbing down things, but it's not at all. It's really about making writing in a clear way so that people can understand what they're learning and then sort of elevating the conversation as they move through the content flow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's making it so that that connection can happen. Because especially in the industries, you know, sometimes you talk about healthcare and stuff like that. I mean, when you read it, it's like, man, it's heavy jargon, right? It's like you read this, you go, right. I'm not sure what that says or how it's supposed to help. Right. Superventricular tachycardia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of those two weeks Your ago. heart is beating too fast. You know, you can say it the same exact way. So, yeah, exactly. yeah I, absolutely. I the second part a lot better than the first one, even though my wife's a nurse, so I'd have to ask her, I'd be like, does something happen about my hectacopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagopagop
you know, how we did one 18 healthcare experts predicted 18 trends for 2018 healthcare marketing trends. Uh, We're getting ready to do one about Instagram and healthcare. So it's just those types of things that really help people sort of make decisions better at their jobs. I think then they come to see us as a trusted advisor and then they want to use us or they don't, you know, they're, they still value what we do, but it may not fit into their budget or, they have a web design firm who does content for them. It's, it's just dependent on those kind of things. Yeah, but I think that's the key to the whole thing is that you're offering great insight, right? And people can go and they can either take it in and say, hey, we want to hire you guys, or they can go and use it, right? I mean, that's the whole point of it is you offer value, and then people can take that in and take it however they want, right? Either they hire you guys or they don't, but it's okay. Um, right, so- exactly. I really feel that it's very important to have as good a reputation as you can in any industry that you're in. And so I bridge a few different ones. I think content strategy, content marketing, and healthcare you know, marketing. And from my perspective, hopefully everybody in those industries, I mean, not everybody, but obviously you can't, you know, please all the people all the time, but a lot of people just think like, oh, you know, Ahava is available to answer questions and she thinks things through in a thoughtful way and tries to figure out what's going on in the marketplace. And it's interesting. I was just on the phone with one of my account managers this morning and we were talking about a scoping call we were going to have at noon. And she said to me, do you already know what you think we should do? And I said, yeah, but I still want to stay curious longer, which is one of our values, because I do have this feeling like, oh, I've seen it all. And that's a very arrogant approach. You have to be really humble still and think, okay, well, I got to flex for this client because this client's trying to do something different than client A, B, C, D, and E. So that's the other important thing is that you always got to be a little bit hungry and stay humble. I think that's important. I think that's probably what a lot of people miss, especially if you work in the same industry all the time, right? You assume like, because, you know, if I was a client, I would say like, how, how am I going to break out of the box? Like, right? Like, I mean, well, I mean, healthcare can be monotonous sometimes, right? I and mean, they're not, you can't be super, super creative, but I think you can definitely break out of a box. I think that's the, the goal. Because I used to, I did some stuff for government work actually that I did and I worked with in the healthcare industry. And it was just interesting the pace. And this is California stuff. And once again, I love California. I won't go into heavy detail on the government side of California. But what we did do, the, the process was kind of a, a slow process and trying to break out of that box sometimes was a little, was a little difficult because there was a lot of red tape and stuff. But I think if you're able to do that for clients, depending on, I guess, on the industry, if you're able to break out of that box, I mean, I think that's what, well, in theory, I would hope most clients would want that because like I said, you know, you don't want to be just like everybody else, right? Like what can you do to be different? I think that's kind of a, be a goal. Yeah. So I would challenge that assumption that healthcare is boring because I, I actually don't think that it is. And it may be in government contracting and healthcare, it, you weren't allowed to be as creative as you'd like, but clients ask us all the time, like, how can you write for the Cleveland Clinic and Johns Hopkins and Stanford and UCLA? Like, how do you do all those different institutions and keep it fresh? But if you're smart about content, you know that the number one thing you have to do is align it with your business objectives and help your users accomplish their tasks. And so each of those institutions has completely different business objectives, completely different strategic alignment amongst their executives about what to get done. And also there's really different stories to tell, you know, some places are really great at X and those are the stories that we want to tell about them. And some places are really great at Y and, and those are the stories that deserve attention. So for me, from my perspective, everybody is completely different. You could take a writing firm just like mine that produces the same kinds of content mine produces and that's set up the same way and it's a completely different story about how we go about dealing with our clients and what our values are and how we perceive ourselves in the marketplace what the product is that we're trying to create so I just think everybody has a great story to tell and I think that it takes a good marketer and a good writer and a good content strategist to sort of pull that out and tease that out and figure out how to approach it from a business friendly perspective. So we deal with some of the same kind of the same parallels in the sense that you know, there's always a story for us 
because between myself and my team, we write for about 120 different websites. And, you know, for us, there's always when we want to pull the story out of a client or a potential client, it's like we have to figure out where we want to put that, that content, where it's going to fit best, right? And every, every website kind of has its own quirks and the way the editors work and stuff like that. So I always think it's kind of interesting when you talk about that, when, you know, pull, I don't think they understand that when you get a piece of, you know, you get a story or something that, that a client gives you, like you really have to be creative on where you're going to be able to place that, right? And where it's going to make sense and where you're going to have the editor or whoever that says, hey, this is the kind of content that we accept and this is the kind of content that we like and it's great for our audience. But I think you, you touched on a point of, you know, you have to think about creating a piece of content that's going to be great for your audience, right? Your audience, so that your audience comes back to you because you're answering their questions. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of political and turf wars around that kind of thing. And from my perspective, you know, I always say to clients, you know, what's your audience going to say about this? Like, what are they looking for? What's really important to them? What do the data and metrics show us? So, yeah, I think we saw in that B2B report that Content Marketing Institute and Marketing Profs just released, I mean, 91% of marketers are saying that they're focused on their audience and not on the brand anymore. And that's unbelievably encouraging. It's, yeah. I mean, when I first came into the industry, it was the exact opposite. So, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, 13 years ago. So it's huge. Yeah, that is. It is. You, get, you do have to think about once again, producing that with your audience in mind. And I think that I have heard probably the last few years, I think it's probably become a lot more popular where I've seen more people that are willing to do their thinking about doing that. Um, which is awesome because I see that transition. Yeah, I also think what we're also seeing, which is really remarkable, is that more and more we're thinking about designing our products around what our audience wants and not just thinking about where's the opportunity in the marketplace, which obviously you still have to think about, but really sort of bringing user experience people into the conversation about well, what should the products even look like and what would serve our audiences best or our customers best. So I think we're starting to approach this exciting time where we're really seeing the synergy between customer experience and business strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exciting times for sure. Yeah, there's definitely some good stuff. And totally weird times also, right, Shane? Like what is going on? I, I feel like every day that's what I, I just, I go to look, I go to watch the news for a second. I go, okay, well, that's enough of that. Or I'll go to look at something on Twitter or something. And I'm like, God, you know, I just, we don't need to go into heavy detail. I, I try to keep the political stuff out of, out of. I didn't even mean it politically. I meant it also just like. In terms uh, of I mean, I guess, I, yeah, I, yeah, I guess, oh, I guess I, I'm the one that's political, but yeah, yeah. So it's just, a, yeah, it's an interesting time. I mean, it is, it is exciting from, like I said, from a business standpoint, I think, you know, you've been in, you've been doing this for what, like it's almost for 15 years plus, it sounds like. And I've, I've been in the industry about, well, not in just writing, but just doing digital marketing for almost 20 years. And it's just, it's the, I, I just, I guess one of the reasons I enjoyed is just because it's always so unique and, and the things that it brings to you, you know, clients and stuff like that and work. And we just got heavy into the writing side of things, my team in the last probably five or six years, but before it was heavy on the SEO side of things and, and doing like a lot of optimization stuff. So it's been, that journey has been really fun for me. Like I said, I, I don't claim to be a writer. I mean, I write for websites, but I don't claim to be like, if you ask me to do some the kind of writing that you guys do, it's just, that's just not my expertise. But I, like I said, but I have teammates that do it now, but it, it's definitely interesting. It's been fun to kind of watch that transition of like how my agency's grown and like, it sounds like your agency the same way. It's kind of like, I mean, how many people do you have at your agency right now? A little over 40. Wow, 40, God, that's crazy. I have 31 and I thought I was crazy. So you're just above, you're right above crazy then. So you got 40. Yeah, well, I'm getting close to really crazy, so. That's good. No, it's, that's when things really get fun is when you get really, really crazy. Like on any levels, whether it becomes business or just life, once it gets really too silly, you know, then you're really having some fun. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for us, scale hasn't really, the problem with scale hasn't been about quality. It's been more about strategy. And I think that that's a really interesting thing to think about as an agency. I mean, anybody who works for me knows that quality is number one. Like, just, I always say to people, like, every single thing that goes out here goes out here with my name on it. Oh, absolutely. And if it's not perfect or close to perfect, you know, we've got problems. So, and I don't expect it to be perfect on the first shot. So, but, you know, everyone has issues and everyone has things they have to work out with their clients. But I, I do think that we're in a place where marketers are more educated than ever about what they need to be doing for their customers. And so I used to do a lot more education and I don't feel that I'm doing that much education. I'm talking more about voice and voice activated search and technological improvements to things. I think that's, I'm still educating people about, but like, I remember when social media first started and people needed to be educated about it. And it was so frustrating to me as a content strategist that they were thinking about their social media strategy before their content strategy. And I don't see people making those kind of mistakes anymore. I think they're just getting smarter about how they approach projects and thinking about what really makes sense. On the other hand, I do see them pressured by executives to just get stuff done and not think it through strategically. But I just feel like marketers are smarter than they used to be. Or maybe I should say they've always been smart, but they're really educated now. And they care about data and they care about analytics and they want to know the ROI. I think it's because, you know, you see this because I think it's because there's so much, there's, you know, there's some bad information. But there's a lot of good information. I mean, there's just so much education you can get online. Once again, it is, I always use the analogy of the water hose and trying to drink from it. So there is a lot of stuff, but once you find, I mean, it's like Udemy and there's all these great programs you can go on and really learn some things. Hey, listen, I never knew about this. I can literally sit down on a Saturday, take a six hour course and now, you know, at least have a good foundation on, on how to do that. I think it's, you know, the education side of things is is big. And I remember, you know, when you talk about the social media side of things, I would, my clients would, would talk about, well, hey, want to do share stuff on social media. I'm like, well, what are you going to share if you don't have content? <laughs> like, right? Like, you're going to share something. <laughs> me, it was really basic. Like, like what are we going to share if, like, you're competitive? Like, who are we going to, like, who are we going to promote? And, like, like, well, I don't know. We want to promote this guy. I'm like, but he's not on your team. Like, you're making him the thought leader. Like, you know, you got to, well, that was the biggest transition for me was like, hey, okay, I'll educate you on how to do social media, but you really should be producing your own content, right? You should be doing your own blog post, your own video, your own podcast, whatever that is. You know, it's a, a quote, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, are you consuming content or are you creating content? I agree 100%. I agree 100%. And there's room for both, right? I mean, I think yeah. that that's the other thing that we have to remember. There's totally room for both. But at the end of the day, yeah. I mean... Listen, people are trying to do the best they can, and I admire them for that. And I do think that there's a ton of training out there. I also think that sometimes I listen to people talk, and I think, you know, they do need a, more education around this. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able, even if we provide it, it doesn't mean that they're free to make the decision that that training would provide. And I think that's some place where we really have to show a lot of patience and empathy for the clients that we serve. That, like I said, sometimes they just have these executive mandates to do things that just don't always make sense yeah no it, it, well yeah no and that and unfortunately when that kind of stuff happens it is frustrating it's like one of those like you know what i'm supposed to consult you i'm supposed to tell you the best things to do but at the end of the day if you want to put your hand on the stove i'm not you know i can only that's it you can lead a horse to water that's yeah, right yeah. so you go ahead and put your hand on the stove when you get burnt and then i can just say well like i say i told you so because that's never a great conversation <laughs> to have but I think I did talk about this before. So yeah, it's always difficult. It's always difficult to do because you always feel like, you know, you want to obviously I mean the ideas is they're hiring us for a reason, right? To, to help send them in the right direction. And when they have to force things or do things that are outside of the usual process of, of doing things correctly, 
it is it's hard for us as consultants to like to let that happen you know i mean it's when i was younger i used to it didn't matter like i would just oh that's fine that's fine you know and, and now i get older i'm like listen you guys you kind of you have me here for a reason you know and i'm, I'm telling you, you guys shouldn't do that if you guys want to you still can because you're grown adults and you know your check just cleared so life is good on our side but you know, we at least another 30 days together, but you know, it, it, you got to kind of figure that out. Like, you know, but. that's really fascinating. Cause I had the exact opposite evolution. I oh. used, when I was younger, I used to be like, yo, <laughs> this is how you do this. And now I'm kind of like, okay. And I, I do feel like, you know, we educate people and then we tell them that they have to do what they want to do. And maybe it's the delivery that's changed the most, but at the end of the day, I've been in enough situations to know now that as a consultant, you can't influence as much as you hoped you could. Yeah. That's really, I come in, there's a great book called The Art of Consulting that Jared Spool actually suggested I read at the beginning of my consulting career. And he says you really only can move the needle 10%. Now, I don't think that's really 100% true. I think you can move it a lot more than that if you get into the right situation with the right client. Yeah. But I think that's, I've sort of changed my approach of, okay, what am I really here to accomplish for people and how can I be most useful to them? And then it's interesting to hear you say that, that like you had, uh, that's really fascinating. Yeah. It's well, you know, for me, and it depends on the client, obviously. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more, some of them I'm like, listen, like I had, um, I won't say any names, but I had a client that was like avid on what she wanted to do. And I was like, listen, you're, she was. Oh, say names, Shane. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'll cover my mouth, but I will. Yeah, it was one of it was a, a and I do a lot. I still do a lot for her, so I won't. I don't want to say her name, but she was. She really was like doing some stuff. Like she had gone and sell. She was selling eBooks. She was crushing it, making like way too much money for her age. And then she wanted to go open a gym, and she's like, "Hey, I really want to go open this gym." And I'm like, "Yeah, but like you know, when you open a gym, like you're gonna have like overhead, and you know." And she was it was in Florida. It was in a nice area of Florida. And she goes, yeah, but that's what I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, but you're selling these ebooks. Like, you're making thousands of dollars a day. Like, I feel like you're going backwards a little bit. Like, she was no, I want to do. It. And she went and opened the gym, and she literally had no clients. She was trying to find, you know, charge seventy five dollars an hour to bring these clients in. It was literally her in the gym. Everything was all with her. Her name was everywhere. And it was just her. And I was like, you know, I really wanted her. Not, and she wouldn't gotten a you know five year lease. And you know, it was like I think it was like five hundred dollars a month, like crazy, like. And she had the money. It wasn't like she was broke, but you know, the idea of it was like, I was like, don't, I think you're, you're kind of going backwards. Like most people will do the gym thing and say, Oh, now I can make more money online. But this is what she wanted to do. You know? So at a certain point I supported her in that. And I even helped her close the gym down five years later, just like I told her. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it was, it, it happens, you know, it happens. It's one of those deals, but that's good. Uh, hey, can you teach me how to write eBooks and make thousands of dollars a day? I'll tell you, that was, I'll tell you, that was a crazy deal. When I, I never forget. I did um, a call with her, and she was talking about these eBooks, that she was fitness eBooks, and I just, um, oh man, fitness. E I remember that craze. I remember yeah. when that was going on. You can't do that anymore. No, not like she did. The thing is, she just had the perfect audience. Her audience was was literally she had she'd gone from. I mean, the story behind her is that she was a runner, and so she like didn't have a, a booty, right? Because that's part of her program is her booty. So, and then she like literally worked out for two years, and then I call it her inner J Lo popped out, like her her Jennifer Lopez and then she had this big old booty and all the girls followed it on Instagram and they lost their marbles because they were like here goes XY person and I say her name here and now XYZ person here right like no booty and then big booty and then so it was like this big thing and so they, the girls went crazy they like, lost it because they, they all saw themselves as person one and now they want to be person two and so she she absolutely crushed it I mean I was when I did the consultation call with her I remember I was thinking oh fitness industry ebooks I'm like I 
I have eBooks on my website that I can't even get like a free email address, you know, or a name. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like uh, sounds kind of, I don't really know. And so I did the call with her and she was like, yeah, she, at the end of the call, she's pretty much saying she did $400,000. And she was like, yeah, but I'm really, I just don't think that's that good. I'm like, you're 22 years old and your overhead is like a gym membership. Like a gym, I'm down with that. Right? I'm like, sign me up. Like I'm, you know, I would not look good in, in a women's bathing suit. Not that I've tried. I'm just saying it just wouldn't, it's not highly recommended. But yeah, it was, it was crazy, crazy deal. So anyway, she was, that was one of, you know, right client, right time. You know, Instagram was where she was selling all of her stuff and things did awesome for her. But um, that was one of those deals where, you know, you, you get down the road and she wants to do some other stuff. And I'm like, oh, it just, you know, she was just a young entrepreneur. And so she wanted to try these things. And I go, you know, I want to give her my expertise and say, listen, I've done that. Like, you don't really want to go backwards that way. Maybe this would be a better way to do it. But, you know, she did it. And it was fine. It, you know, it, it, it did fine for what it was. So, like, how do you guys, I got a question for you. So, like, you know, when you guys talk about, like, like content marketing and, like, how do you guys, like, your marketing efforts, like, what is like when you guys talk to clients, like what is a win for you guys? Or how, when you guys talk to your clients, like how do you look at like your KPIs or again, when you're writing content, like how does that, especially with the industry that you're in, like how does, I guess it's really up to the client, but like, what's a win for you guys? Like what is a client? Like, comes a win to you for us is a signed SOW and a happy client. There we go. Um, <laughs> no, a win is the case studies that we provide. You know, we wrote a blog once we news jacked a blog and we got 16 media pickups for a hospital system. Um, you know, we've raised traffic on blogs in the hundredth percentile, you know, one blog, 800%. We rewrote some content on a website and they got a thousand dollar donation totally unsolicited just because they love the content on the site. I mean, we have some really cool stories about the things that we've been able to help our clients do. For me, the biggest wins are when I get on the phone with clients and they say, this could have been the biggest nightmare of our lives and you made it easy oh, or easier. And that to me is really part of what our secret sauce is because it's not just about great quality content. It's also about phenomenal account and project management. And that's really what makes the difference in content projects. It's a product. It's not just, you know, words on a page, so to speak. And so a product has to be run according to a project life cycle. And that I think is where we really excel. So to me, the wins are obviously in the results, but I think every agency should be able to prove results. Like, I don't think that's, I think that to me, that's table stakes. To yeah. me, what's really important is sort of the feeling, the experience that people have when they work with us. So, you know, these people really cared about us and they went above and beyond every single time to provide the best possible content as well as the best possible account project management. So to me, you know, the clients have a set of wins that are metric based but they also don't recognize all the time how much they're going to get out of the experience. And so we have an unbelievable retention rate with our clients. And I think one of the reasons for that is, is that they really are so happy with what we're able to give them in terms of that experience. Yeah. I, think I feel like I just said the word experience like 17 times. No. You're going to have a great experience when you work with us. Yeah. <laughs> experience. Ahava equals experience. Good experience. <laughs> really great experience, by the way. I know. I feel like I went into, I remember one of the things this was back in the day they talked about Starbucks and, one of the reasons Starbucks was so successful in the beginning is because of their experience, right? Like when you would walk in, there was a reason why there was certain things and the smell and this, and there were certain machines and they have it all set up to where you go through this whole, this, this, this thing when you come in there. So it wasn't just, Hey, I'm buying a, a $5 coffee that, you know, 7-11s down the street offers for a dollar, but it was, you're willing to pay more because of that experience of going through that whole thing. And I think that's, you know, experience is a, is a big part of this whole thing because there's people that can put out great content, right? You can find those people, but it's that experience on the retention side of thing. I think that is, that is extremely valuable because you, know, you want people to, to feel like they're, 
having a good experience, right? That they're going through this process and they know that when you guys go and you can say you're going to do something, you guys are going to do it. And I think that's almost as important, if not more important than the content, potentially. I mean, the content is extremely important, but it's definitely up there with that, like, hey, you got to make sure you're on, on both levels because you can put out great content, but if your customer experience isn't good, if you're not, you know, these people are like, I don't really, they do a great job of content, but like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm not, you know, being up to date and kind of what we have going on. Do you guys have a, is your, do you have an all remote team? Yeah, completely distributed. Me too. What, what, remote live? Yeah. That's awesome. The taxes get to be a nightmare. Like how many different states can you have tax reporting in? <laughs> you just lost. I almost, I almost passed out when you said taxes. I just, anytime I'm like, I'll, I'll just call my guy and say, hey, but can you help me here? Because I just, any stuff like that, that just is like mind-numbing activities. Like I would rather fight a wild wolf or something. Boar? Yeah, oh, a boar. I mean, I, could, I feel like I could beat a boar. Are you a Game of Throners? No, I'm not. So here's the thing. Like, I don't watch a lot of TV. Here's the thing about watching television shows. So I'll say one thing about that that I, I actually think is similar to the songwriting thing. I have a friend, Amy Kramer, who's, like, really into pop culture, and she challenged me to watch The Wire and Breaking Bad. And so I went ahead and I did it. Yeah. And I got to say that I learned a tremendous amount about storytelling, about character development, about how to really sort of think through narrative storytelling and how to switch chronology up and things like that. And so I understand people who say, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV or I don't watch a ton of movies. And I get that, but I think the whole point of art is to connect us to each other. And I think that a lot of people think, oh, business writing or being in marketing or being in customer experience is an art, but actually that's what we're doing. We connect people to each other and we connect people to ideas. And so I think it's really valuable to pay attention to what's going on in pop culture because I do think that it helps you become a better storyteller and a better writer and a better creative person. So Shane, it's time to start watching TV. I am. I will, I'll make a valid effort. I'm going to start watching TV. But I, I think the, I do have a question about Breaking Bad for you, though. But did you learn how to make meth? You know. <laughs> Don't worry. It's only being recorded. It's not a big deal. It's not, this, I'm not going to send this to the cops. I did not learn how to make meth. And I also learned that the world is a terrifying place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think especially in the meth world. I, I've never been in the meth world. But just being from the outside looking in. It never looked like a, a fun place to visit. It was like, no, yeah. it really doesn't. It's not, it doesn't look that fun at all. Actually, what's interesting is that right around the time I finished watching it, my ninth grader had to write a paper on Macbeth. And I had never read Macbeth, which is a hard thing for me to admit on a recorded podcast because I'm an English major, but it was just one of the Shakespearean plays I had never gotten to. Yeah. And so I didn't read the entire play, but I read enough of it and I read enough on Wikipedia, quite frankly, to understand the story. And I said to her, you know, you really should compare Macbeth to Walter White from Breaking Bad because that's the story. And she was like, mommy, I can't compare Macbeth to a meth king. Like she didn't even know who Walter White is, but you know, like she had heard me talk about this show. And so that was really a fascinating experience for me because one of the things I always talk about when I teach writing is you know they say Hollywood has seven plots it's really true the same stories are told over and over and over again and when you study them and you compare them you can really see the way the society has changed in terms of thinking about those issues so that was sort of a nice segue for me to talk about how much I really paid attention to Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you never really did answer the question if you can make math, but that's I understand. I, I cannot. I cannot make math. There we go. That's good. I cannot make math. I cannot. I really. I mean, 
The so hardest drugs I do are Percocet after a really bad dental procedure. So you've tried. Like, I'm a suburban mom, sorry. Okay. Well, that's good, that's good. That's, I mean, plus around recordings and stuff like that, we don't want to start talking about mess and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty boring, I gotta be honest. That's, that's okay, it's okay, we all have our challenges, it's all good. <laughs> so tell me about your remote team, so how do you keep, so this is funny, so I'm, I love the remote thing, right? So how do you guys keep, like how do you, like your project management and stuff like that, I mean obviously you have a team that sounds like they're all over well, the US, potentially the world, how do you guys keep those things together? Yeah, so we have a daily huddle every day between the executive team, so everybody, all the account managers and junior project managers and CFO and everybody gets on and every, we go in alphabetical order and we talk about what we did yesterday, what we're doing today, and where we're stuck. So it's a huddle. It's like an agile huddle. Yeah. And then people who are on different projects have either bi-weekly or weekly meetings. Uh, we use Basecamp really strenuously. We have Slack. I mean, all the stuff that all distributed yeah. you know, workforces use. I think that one of the things that I worry about is retaining talent, because I do think that being in an office with other people does create those relationships that then you don't really want to leave your job. And I do think sometimes people are lonely. On the other hand, part of the reason that this company exists is because I really felt passionately about giving working parents a place to have a meaningful life with meaningful work. And so I think that it lasts for, you know, three or four years. And then I think people do want to move on because they do want a more cohesive environment. But I just hope they learn a lot while they're here. And it's interesting. Some people working from home, it's just not for them. I really, I'm eventually I'm going to have to go back to an office because, you know, I just assume I will at one point in my life. Yeah. But um, I'd like to sell Aha Media Group at one point when I feel like I've done as much as I can do with her because I do think she's a girl she's and a woman. She's a woman. Right. And I, you know, I, I really like working from home. I like being able to throw a lot of laundry in. I like being able to like take a, you know, 20 minute walk around my neighborhood. I, I like the idea of sort of setting my own schedule and I, I think that that's important but for some people it's just a no-go. Yeah I think sometimes it can be challenging so I it's funny so the where I'm at now I actually have an office now and I have well I mean I've had actually have two offices in second it's kind of a long story but this is like where I produce all my content right so this is where I do the podcast this is where I do video stuff and it's just kind of the office that I set up I and mean, it literally looks like I mean, I'll show you I mean it literally looks like a home like I just I set it up to be like a home person you know. Right. But, my dogs and stuff like that. So he I, has a lot of dirty laundry everywhere, everybody. I know, it's so crazy. <laughs> the crazy part is I don't even do laundry here, but I just put it on the floor because it just feels more comfortable that way. Because I don't want to burn it up when I'm obviously doing it was pretty. It was pretty neat, I got to say, Shane. I'm impressed. I was, and I, right when I pulled that thing up, I thought, oh, this could be a really bad situation. You know, I could have been, yeah. I did get some stuff this weekend, little Amazon stuff. There could have been boxes everywhere. So I felt pretty secure about that, but. I'm glad we made it through that. that. I like that circle bookshelf thing you have behind you. You got some nice succulents going there. That's, that's nice. That's my wifey group. She's awesome. So she she's the one who put a lot of that stuff together. These books, I'll be honest, I've never read them at all. In fact, I can't read. I don't tell a lot of people that. But now that we're being recorded, I figure it's probably the best time to tell everybody. Yeah, the succulents. Now, the issue with the succulents is that they, I guess, they need water. And I didn't know that. So. But only a tablespoon a, a month. Yeah, yeah. All I have to do is remember between everything else. Yeah. I think uh, you could just put it on your calendar, dude. Yeah, I probably could. I appreciate that you called me a dude. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really do. My, my wife and I literally had a long conversation about me needing to, to wire the plants. It's nothing to do with content, but it does have to do with keeping the wife happy, which is very important, which is probably a whole other podcast or like lesson. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to jump on that one. Yeah, yeah. I have absolutely. a lot of thoughts about that. Ride that train. Hey, well, I'll let you know. Maybe you and my wife can like start a support group and me and your husband can hang out and we can like just 
just try to make it through the conversation. So tell me a little bit, I also want to know a little bit, so I got a little bit about the remote team, all that kind of fun stuff. Tell me a little bit about your personal life. So I know you're, you like to bake, huh? aren't you a baker? Well, I'm a Jewish homemaker on some level. Like I have to make like, you know, stuff for like Rosh Hashanah and things like that. So I have this apple challah thing, challah, challah, thing that I make that people really love. So that's something that I'm very proud of. In fact, yeah. Anne Handley saw the trampoline video and she goes, I need to come to your house for two reasons. One, to eat and two, to jump on that trampoline. Yeah, trampoline. You know? Yeah, I, I make this trifle that she's like obsessed with. Every time she sees it, she's like, I'm coming down from Boston. Save it for me. So I do like to bake. I just made bread today, actually. I'm making the kids grilled cheese and soup. So that's exciting. And I don't, I wanted to make them like a whole wheat. I don't even know why your audience would be interested in this, but okay, we'll go with it. I love to read. I'm a huge reader. I'm not happy unless I have a good book to look forward to getting into bed with at night. Yeah. I do like to watch TV. My 10-year-old son and I are going through all the Marvel movies together. So we just finished The Incredible Hulk. Now we're on to Iron Man 2. Hello. We are rating them all. He hmm. gave Iron Man 1 a 9.7. I gave it like a 7. So clearly we have to align our uh, ratings a little bit better. He is a 10-year-old boy, though. I got to say they are very different than 10-year-old girls because I have a 13-year-old girl and an almost 16-year-old girl. And wow, boys are different. They, they are. really are. We're, we're a different breed. Uh, you know, and it can yeah. be a good or a bad thing. It just, you know, it depends on what we're doing. Yeah, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just yeah. like really just different, different way of seeing the world. At least that's been my experience so far. And I like to watch The Great British Baking Show. I'm super into that show right now. I love it. And what else do I like to do? I'm into Pilates and Pure Bar. Those are things I like to do to keep in shape. Yeah, yeah. I have a ridiculous amount of fabulous friends that I enjoy hanging out with. So, I mean, like, I don't fence or, like, do Viking reenactments or, like, dress up as, like, furry animal. Like, I don't do that thing. Life is like very classic standard life. One of my friends once called me basic, which I thought was like really insulting, but I guess I am. I mean, but that's, I guess there's something about being basic, I, but I could understand how basic if somebody called you basic. I mean, I would, I mean, I probably would, I would take her off of my MySpace top eight or something like that. Like, honestly, that's what I would do. I'm like, listen, basic, like, I'll show you basic. You'll drop down to number nine and never make it to number eight. I just, I wish I had like something that like I really like was like passionate about and like did all the time. But like, I guess that's work for me. That's the thing that's really, I'm passionate about my family and I'm passionate about my work. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that at this point in my life, there's really room for a lot else. Yeah. I, I hope that one day when I'm older, you know, I should be lucky and get to live a long time. I will have a lot of time to do something, you know, yeah. that really takes up my time and energy. I am pretty passionate about um, hunger, children's hunger in the United States. That's something that I really feel very strongly about that we need to really fix, especially in a country as rich and powerful as ours. And then, um, you know, I'm really worried about the environment. Like, I think yeah. we got to get on that. So... Uh, I think we might be going the opposite direction, but I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, it's a little scary. It's a little it scary. It's a lot scary. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, I can't even. You know, so, it's so crazy. So, there's we. I donate time and you know money to certain organizations, but the child, the, the hunger thing. Like, I just don't understand how we can let any kids be hungry. Like, I, I know this has nothing to do with content, but it is something that's like I just don't understand how anybody can see that and, and say, hey, that's that's okay, or like, what can we not do to help? You know, I mean, those are those. They don't have it. They don't have a chance, but they're not 25-year-old adults that can go get a job. Or you know, I'm not saying there's not mental things or addiction. Yeah. 
No, it's it's a it's a it's a byproduct of poverty. There's no question about it. I'll tell you something that, and this is political, and you can edit this out if you want. But there are 1.1 million abortions in this country every year, and 16 million American children go hungry every. And we spend so much of our time talking about whether or not there should be legal abortion in this country. And we spend no time talking about the fact that these children are all going hungry every night. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. just, to me, is just ludicrous. Yeah, it is. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. We're risking it. Yeah, we're going all in. We talked about meth and, and hungry kids. And this is really the this is really what I want to talk about today. Content was like backbone. I was like, oh, that's not really going to be that important. I'm more interested in kids and meth and all the other fun stuff in this adult life. And dressing up as furry animals, which I think you said was a goal or that was something you said maybe down the road. Not a goal. Not a goal. I was just thinking about that scene from, um, what was that show called with the guys in Hollywood on HBO? Ari, Hug It Out Bitch. Okay, your listeners will know which TV show I'm talking about. So one time he like did this Craigslist thing where he dressed up like that. So that was like my most obscure reference that I could think of something that I would do that would be like super weird and kinky. So I I have something not super weird, but it's weird enough. I actually did dress up in an animal suit one time. This is a funny story. This was a, this was a long time ago. It was a a company called, was it 500? I don't know. Anyway, it's like an incubator type program. And this was in San Francisco and I'm, I'm in Sacramento right now. But when I was in San Francisco, there was somebody that reached out to me. I don't even know how it happened. They're like, hey, would you, I wasn't, well, no, I wasn't speaking at the events at that point. They're like, hey, would you want to come to our event? Like giving this random thing. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And they're like, would you be willing to dress up? And it's like a, it's in a squirrel outfit or a raccoon, something like literally this is like a, a lifetime ago. And I was like, I are you telling me the truth right now? I swear, I'm going to have to find the picture. I'll, I'll find the picture. I'm going to send it to you. And they're going to be like, this is. I think you should put it in the podcast notes. People aren't going to put it. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm going to put all, I'm going to put, like, make meth, and then I'm going to put the thing about furry animals. Like, if you want to become a furry, that's how I started my career as a furry animal. I mean, it was only a weekend type deal. And I don't know how, I don't even know why they reach out to me. I'm not why I'm saying this. But literally, I ended up dressing up this, and my wife went with me, and I dressed up in this, what was it, like a raccoon or something? And they actually took a few pictures with me, and I, you know, shook hands and kissed babies and, and walked around, and then they let me go to the event, like, for free. And it was like, you know, $2,000 or something. I remember thinking, this is awesome. Like, oh, no, I'll jump in a squirrel outfit or a raccoon or whatever. And nobody knew that it was me, except now that once again, I just told the whole world that I was the mm-hmm. raccoon. And I bet you every single person at that party is listening to this podcast. Oh, and all six of them. Yeah, they're going to And now it. they're going to know. And now they're going to know. I could just tell by the way that you put your arm around me that that was you. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's probably the weirdest story I'm going to hear all week, Shane, and it's all on Monday. I'm just going to go with that. It's all year, because I'm really looking to get first place. And if you have somebody has a weirder story than offline where we're not... Oh, I have some weirder stories. Okay, good. Unfortunately. I'll take the Pepsi Challenge. If you ever want to get story weird on me, just let me know. Yeah, I will. Maybe that's a great idea for a podcast. Ooh, I like that. Story weird. Yeah, because then you can just do this really weird... Yeah, but then some of the stuff's got to be like... You see, like that FBI thing, like have your face it up like this. Like, okay, I can't really tell you, you know, who this right. is. Right, voice changing software. And yeah, that. I mean, I have that on my computer. I won't tell you why. Cause that's a long story. But, anyways, for your meth life. That's exactly. It's for when I transfer the funds, and we will let your kids go. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, we're out kids again. Wow, this is going downhill fast. I know it does. Sometimes at the end, it just you know, because you get kind of loosey and goosey, and again, it's all politics. And hey, let's talk. Yeah, about it's just it. like a conversation. Yeah, as it should be. As it should yeah. be. Tell me about places that you've traveled to. You obviously have, tell me where you've traveled to. I saw a little bit on your Instagram and give me a little bit like, give me some fun places that you've been to. I've been to Australia, which I would recommend to anybody. Bucket list, number Mm -hmm. one. Next bucket list item is New Zealand. I'd love to hit South Africa. I love Paris. I took my father on a heritage tour to Budapest. That was amazing. Beautiful, beautiful city. Singapore, I'd love to hit Singapore. I've been to some very lovely places in Canada. 
do you speak Canadian in Canada? And yeah, so I love to travel. I really, really, that's something I enjoy. I really want to hit the top and the bottom. So I'd love to go to Antarctica and I'd love to hit like Iceland and Alaska. So I've got, I'm actually going to, and I've never been there. I'm going to Sri Lanka to speak. And that's cool. Yeah, and what's crazy about it, which is really cool, is they're actually doing, they're flying me out there a week early and I'm going on a trip for a week. So they're going to, it's the, the government and it's Canadian resorts and hotels and resorts, or no, Canadian, Jesus. Cinnamon, which is totally different than Canadian. It's I was about to say, that's, wow. resorts. Yeah, it's really weird. They're, they're doing a lot of advertising in Sri Lanka, but yeah, so we're going out there, and I'm, I'm only speaking for like a half an hour, but they're bringing me out there with like 60 vloggers, and they're taking us on this trip. It's super. Oh my gosh, figure out how to get me a trip to Sri Lanka next time, Shane. I was just kind of, actually, I was looking at, when we were talking, I was looking at like my bags and seeing if I could put you in one of my bags, because then you'd have to be right next to my wife in the bag, so they'd have to be big, and then it gets all weird, because they're like, do you have two women in your bag? And I'm like, no. Yeah, that, that might set you up for trafficking. So now you're on the hook for meth and trafficking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little scary, yeah. Shane. Right. 1990 all overs again for me. It's like everybody's not gonna want me to be on their podcast because they're gonna think I'm a really bad criminal influence. Awesome. See, this is because this is your natural, your natural environment. Career-ending podcast. This is that's actually the name of the podcast. I just don't tell people that. I just get them to say really weird stuff, and then I just cut it like the media does, and I have all these clips, and they're like kids and abortion and meth, and they're like this great interview with Ava. You're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, no, this is this is you're gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna have my attorney call you before we get done with this because we're gonna have. It's all blackmail stuff. That's the only reason why I do it. Just so in the end, I can tell people. I don't really know what you can blackmail me for. I don't have a lot. I got a trampoline and some challah. <laughs> that sounds like a party to me. I don't know what you're doing on Saturday. I'll bring my wife and. <laughs> we're gonna be in Sri Lanka, dude. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I'm leaving. I'm leaving next Monday. I forgot about. That. All right. All right. Get back. Great. We'll Saturday sounds good. I'll pencil you in. Action. I don't make tentative plans. I'm just letting you know now. Well, cool. Well, once again, this was awesome. It, it was. Really, really it was, was definitely, good. I don't know if I would call it awesome, but it was definitely up there as one of the more fun experiences of my life. We're on the outskirts of awesome. I mean, I, I like to flirt with awesome. I like that's for me. It's yeah, like, I think that's, I think that's where we're at. Yeah, I think we, I think we're doing good. And, and like I said, I'm glad that things I said to you were a little awkward, a little weird. And they, hopefully this week I'll get first place for that. So that's really my goal. Yeah, definitely. You, you win first place. You might even get it for the whole month. I mean, really, but, but the year, the year has been nuts. So. Agreed, agreed. I'm not, I, I wouldn't expect to get that kind of award, but I would expect that if somebody else gets first place, that I would get the opportunity to come back and say something. To rebut? Yeah. I'm down with that. Okay. I'm totally down with that. You're a team player, and that's all I can appreciate. So if anybody wants to get in contact with you. And, and Why would anyone want to get in contact with me? Like, I, mean like, I mean, like law enforcement. I meant like law enforcement. If law enforcement needs to get in contact with you to come take your kids or something random, um, no, I know you love your kids other than the Nerf ball and Nerf thing, Nerf gun thing that we saw that was super aggressive and your poor little guy was crying. But anyways, that's a side note. It's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about content. So they can get in touch with me at ahamediagroup.com or hello at ahamediagroup.com. Sounds like a plan. Hello. I know. That's it. It's all making sense. All right. Well, you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you for taking the time to, to jump on this little video podcast for us today. Thank you, Shane. This is fun. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.